Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. Drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzie Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for an inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on BatteryPower.com, where I've been the deputy site manager since 2018 and the minor league editor since 2015. Joining me as often and fresh off a nice little bit of a break uh, now that we have uh, are finished with our draft coverage. You can follow him over on Twitter at BravesMILB. Garrett Spain, have you recovered from the draft, sir? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm doing good. It's It, it didn't take long. I'm young, so it doesn't usually take long and kind of nice to get back to regular baseball for a while rather than, you know, Talking about 300,000 different players that may or may not even end up in the system. I am decidedly not um, <laughs> young, and uh, as a result, it's taken me a little bit. Got a little bit of a cold, and it's just kind of been one of those busy sorts of getting ready for the kids to go back to school, too. So, been a bit of a busy week uh, coming off the draft, but if you have not listened to our draft episodes, I highly highly recommend uh, day one day two and day three recaps for all of your consumption uh, are on this very feed you can go back and download you can figure out what exactly is going on with this draft class we are going to touch a little bit on this class but right to, to this week is very much a getting caught back up on basically everything uh, and before we kind of get into the level by level breakdown we have about a week and a half worth of games to kind of you know, condensed down into one episode here, considering that there was only a ha- Friday through Sunday this past week, but we also didn't cover the previous week because we were getting ready for the draft. But we do have some news stuff, Garrett. And first and foremost is the the biggest news really just has to do with the draft class and how successful the Braves have been in getting these guys locked down uh, and signed. The, it sounded like Dana Brown. He was like, "Look, 20, 48, 72 hours. I want this. I want every. I want at least the first top top 10 guys signed, if not more than that." And they have certainly done that and you every year put together our signing tracker for the site make sure you go back if you want if you want to kind of figure out what's going on with all the signing bonuses and all that stuff it's pinned to the front page of the site it's really easy but talk to us a little bit about you know how the signing process has been going how it's been different this year versus other years and any signing figures that have stood out to you yeah i mean one thing about this year is if i'm correct on this the 
deadline is August 1st, which is only a couple weeks after the draft. And typically you would have – typically it's around a month. And so naturally the whole process is sped up. And it seemed like from the very beginning they were like – I mean all of the top 10-round guys were like in Atlanta before the weekend. And so they were – it was a – it's been kind of a blitz lately of just – an insane amount of guys signing and it feels like every hour I'm putting a new guy in the tracker but so far there's only one guy left that hasn't signed that's the 14th rounder Landon Harper not particularly concerned about him I'm surprised he hasn't signed he's not a guy that's going to go over slot or anything but you know maybe he's playing going back to school who really knows with that but overall I mean you know in terms of you know there are definitely some interesting bonus figures here, I think. Um, I'm surprised that Cole Phillips at $1.5 million was that low. I thought he would be pushing 1.8 to 2. I'm very happy to get him at 1.5. That's a bargain right there. And a lot of that money went to Adam Meyer at $1.2 million in the seventh round, which uh, also worth it. Uh, I mean, the quality of his off-speed stuff is absurd and that could be a really that is a really interesting prospect as soon as he gets healthy um but on into the later rounds i'm surprised the only guy that went over slot was the 13th rounder digger and prey uh he went at about 240,000, i think it was or 225 so i think it was 240 uh yeah, which i expect over, it was a it was a little over 200 i can't remember either uh i i I, which I expected. I mean, we had talked about in the um, chat that, yeah, we think he's going to go somewhere in the 200 to 250 range. And he was in there. Um, but other than that, I mean, their 19th rounder, Christian Jackson, they signed him away from a major D2 commitment at 125K, which is a bargain there. I, I think a lot of it seems like, especially in those through 17th through 19th, um, Kilpatrick, Noah Williams and Jackson. It seemed like the Braves targeted guys that they knew wanted to go pro or maybe in Jackson's case because he is from Georgia in this, and as is Kilpatrick, guys that are from Georgia and that they knew wanted to play with this organization. Because I don't – at $125,000, I don't know why you wouldn't go to college as a high school guy. Um you know, especially if you have a D1 commitment like um, Jackson did. But, I mean, I'm excited to get him in the system at that number. And, uh, I mean, getting the amount – you know, if they get all 22 guys, which we assume they will at this point, that's a lot of talent immediately coming into the system. Yeah, absolutely. I do think we've gotten a lot of questions about why Adam Meyer got such a high signing bonus. And one is that, you know, he, everything I heard from draft night – and it was it was puzzling for me at the time. Uh, because we, we mentioned on the podcast on day two that, you know, I had heard that he was going to be an expensive sign. And the thing is, is that if that guy goes back to school and just stays healthy next year, which, you know, with pitchers, it's a it, there's a risk there, uh, which is one of the reasons why he ultimately ended up just didn't make the decision to go back to school. Um, I'm certain it's that if he goes back to school and he's healthy, he's a D1. He's a day one guy. You know what I mean? He's going to go on day one next year. Uh, really filthy stuff. The only reason that he was, you know, available for as cheap as he was is because he had been he's been hurt. He had that uh, that Tommy John brace surgery, not the full Tommy John, but just like the ulnar ligament brace that they put on. Uh, it sounds like that he's going to be able to throwing and good to go for next year. We'll, we'll kind of see how that all holds up. That that that's one 
type of uh, medical procedure that I'm, I I just don't know enough about the track record of as to whether or not that's going to hold up. But at the same time, it could very it could very well be like an absolute steal where they got where the Braves got him. They did that we as expected they did sign Seth Heller um, for an overslot bonus, but not a crazy amount. I was a little surprised that David McCabe wasn't cost didn't cost more, but it sounds like that they were able to get come to terms with him and he's the probably the our certainly our favorite hitting prospect from this class. Um, he may and he may very well be the best depending on you know how bullish you are on Drake Baldwin. Uh, their third round pick, but I mean, this pitching class is insane. They got a bunch of value on day one, a bunch of value on day two, and some really interesting guys on day three. So, and, and the Braves are going to have these guys in the fold. They're sending these guys straight down to Florida. They're going to go through a bit, of, a bit of an instructional camp, and then some of these, particularly the college arms, they could be heading to Augusta. We could see some of them in the FCL uh, relatively quickly. I imagine that there's going to be a chunk of these guys that we won't see play at all, which is going to be kind of a bummer, but. There's going to be some of these guys that we're going to see in full season ball, which is going to be great. That's going to be more content for us and, you know, just more information for us to gather, which is going to be great. Uh, but we don't know exactly how long that would be. I would imagine that we might start we might start seeing some of these guys starting maybe after the first week of August. But we'll see how long that, that whole process takes and how, you know, how, how guys come into camp and how, how the Braves are feeling about it. Um, now, aside from the draft news, again, we've, we're covering about two weeks worth of news here, and there have been a lot of promotions, Garrett. And we already covered the Vaughn Grissom one, um, which was obviously a big deal, and he's been hitting well down there in Mississippi so far, uh, with a notable exception of his, of his on-base streak getting snapped on Sunday. But uh, we saw a, a slew of guys get promoted from Augusta to Rome and from Rome to Mississippi. We saw a, a fairly notable move to AAA as well. And as well as we have a couple guys on rehab outings. So to kind of run us through the list is what's going on with the, down in the minor leagues in terms of transactions. Yeah, so the big promotion to AAA and really the best prospect that was promoted was Freddie Tarnock. He went up to AAA. In terms of his performance this year, he has struggled a little bit at AA. But in his last few starts, he was back to what he was doing last year. And he's he is at like 24-ish, 25 AA starts which typically tends to be right around when the Braves move guys up. And so it seemed like he was done with what they wanted him to do at double A. And he, you know, a guy on the 40 man, they're going to be a little more apt to move him than, you know, a teammate like Schuster, who is performing better, but doesn't have that 40 man consideration. Um, then coming up to place, take his place in double A, we had Andrew Hoffman who got traded. Um, and then we had yep. Dylan Dodd come up who, you know, the way he was pitching at the end with there with Rome, I mean, he deserved it. He had definitely made a lot of progress from the beginning of the year, and he was ready for that level. You know, an older player, a player we thought was going to move quickly. It was time for him to move. Same with Justin Henry, Justin Henry Malloy. He was a guy who's crushed all year, and it was just – we kind of figured he was a guy that once we got to the middle of the season, they would promote him. That happened. Um, and then coming up to Rome, we had – and we also had Lissandro Santos go up to double A, which he was ridiculous in Rome's bullpen, striking out everybody. And he's doing the exact same thing at double A. So that's now that you're seeing him do it at double A, he's a, it's an interesting profile because he's so fastball heavy. But he's a guy that his fastball is so good from the left side that he's able to continue to get outs with it. So it's going to it's an interesting honor to watch, especially now that he's doing well at double A. Coming up to uh, high A was Cal Conley and Caleb Durbin. Durbin has – Conley has kind of struggled somewhat this year. Durbin has been a little more meh lately, though he started the season hot. But 
Cal Conley, since he got promoted, has been ridiculously good. Um, yep. And those are two older guys, too. Uh, and Durbin, you know, is an older guy that we thought, you know, it, he's hitting low, at, you know, a good approach guy, a guy that makes a lot of contact. He was going to do fine at low A. It's time to move him up. J.J. Necro also got promoted, uh, and he had a good first start in Rome. Uh, you know, an, again, another older guy that was just doing so well at low A that you can't really leave him there at that point. And so he went up to low A. And then on the rehab side, we have Kirby Yates, a couple of great games with Mississippi. William Woods pitched one game with the FCL Braves, which is good news because – we haven't seen him for a long time, and both of those guys are guys that could potentially be right-handed bullpen help for the Braves because they need right-handed bullpen help. Yeah, and it does sound like both of them are heading towards Gwinnett uh, this week. Uh, it was reported that Kirby Yates is going to make a relief appearance uh, a, you know, and a rehab appearance on Wednesday. Uh, he will be appearing in that game in one way or another. Uh, and then it sounds like William Woods is going to be heading up to Gwinnett as well pretty quickly, going uh, to get his – get some innings there. And, you know, after that, you know, those are both guys who are going to be heading to the big leagues soon. Uh, the, the, you know, with William Wood's profile as that kind of that power reliever that, that will certainly play in this Braves bullpen. And then Yates has been kind of a, a long sort of awaited return from injury. Uh, kind of one of those free agent signings that it ends up being a bit of a delayed benefit towards the team, but hopefully, ultimately, hopefully it pays off for them down the stretch here as they try to, you know, chase down the Mets in the big leagues. Uh, I, w- I do want to say a couple things here. Uh, JJ Necro, I'm just, you know, he's got, he's such a fun story, and that he's able to, you know, get to Rome, and who, who knows what the future ultimately holds. But for a guy who's, you know, comes from a small school but has that great family background and things like that, good stuff too, much better than I thought it was going to be. And you know, for him to, I, he frankly should have been promoted to Rome sooner, but there's just a lot of like roster considerations you have to take into account, and they don't necessarily want to like release a bunch of guys too early. Um, Keep an eye on Dylan Dodd. One, I think he is a very, very sneaky good pitching prospect. And two, my hunch is that when we're looking at the trade deadline coming up, that is going to be a name that is going to be very popular on teams' minds in terms of if the Braves are going to make any acquisitions. He is going to be a guy uh, that has a bunch of pitches, was highly sought after in the draft. Uh, the Braves, As a senior sign, the Braves had to take him as a third rounder. And you know that he's fresh on people's minds, and he's been converted successfully converted to being a full-time starter and a good one. He's going to be a guy that I think it stink because we like him, but at the same time, those types of lefty arms with those, that, that type of repertoire, I, I could see him being on the move. Uh, I, I'm not going to necessarily pro, you know, project anything or predict anything, but he's kind of a guy that I think I would not be shocked if he ends up in a trade package for a, uh, a very useful pre- piece for the Braves at the trade deadline. And if he, that, that doesn't happen, that's great news too, because he's going to be a really good pitcher. And I, I'm happy to keep them in the system. Um, so we're going to go through Gwinnett, Garrett, and then just kind of basing on the timing of this episode, we're actually going to take the break after Gwinnett, and we'll then go through Mississippi, Rome, Augusta, and kind of the rest of the stuff after that, because we had a lot of newsy type stuff to get caught up on. So let's talk a little bit about Gwinnett. Um, other than Kyle Muller and obviously the promotion of Tarnock, it hasn't been the most fun roster to watch of late. So talk to us a little bit what's been going on in Gwinnett and you know, who's been good and well, who has struggled. Yeah, on the hitting side, it's mostly your kind of quad A guys and your fill-in replacement guys, and none of them have been doing particularly well. You, know, you look at a guy like Travis Demerit, he struggled. Braden Shoemaker's by a wide margin the best prospect on that team, and he was 
awful for the first three weeks of July. Like he had a 130 batting average through Friday's or through Thursday's game. And then he did really well this weekend. He hit a home run on Friday night, had two or three hits on Saturday, reached base a couple times on Sunday. So he got his numbers up a little bit with that big kind of flourish. Uh, but overall this year, I mean, I think we can both agree he's been he's disappointed again with the bat. And that's a guy that's yep. really pushing to the, you know, this is not a legitimate like future option. This is kind of a utility guy, quad a type guy that, you know, we're not really sure about his future role with the team. Um, Bryce elder is a guy that struggled more than I think we thought he would this year, you know, still a lot of ground balls, but he's not missing bats quite the way he was last year. Um, and, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to miss bats in an elite rate, but you want to see more than, you know, four strikeouts in seven innings, right? You want to see more than that from him, and he hasn't really done that consistently this year. Uh, Freddie Tarnock, his first start was solid, didn't strike out a lot of guys. His second start was good for about four innings, and then he got crushed right at the end of that start. Um and so really the only guy that we can say on the prospect side that's really been killing the ball, killing it is Kyle Muller, who, I mean, frankly, for about three months now, he's been arguably the best pitching prospect in the system in terms of performance uh, since the start yeah, of June. That's a, that's a good about, argument for it. Since the start of June, eight starts, 52 innings, nine walks, 61 strikeouts. And that nine walks is the big thing for him because I would never have expected him to have a stretch of – controlling the zone the way he has he's done great work with Mike Moroth down there and he's the guy that he's reaching the point where the Braves kind of has to make a decision on him because he's way too good for AAA at this point but he's like it doesn't feel like he's maybe ready to contribute to a playoff team you know he's going to have his warts and he's going to have his bad days and the Braves may not have the patience to deal with that right now. And so they have to kind of make a decision on what his role. Are they ready to bring him up? Or is this a guy, like you say, with Dodd, where you look at him at the deadline and if a team comes calling, maybe this is the time to move him. He's an interesting guy. And it's going to be interesting to kind of see what they do with him going forward. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on Mueller. He's kind of forcing the issue in terms of, and he's certainly helping his value in a number of ways. You know, is he going to, is he, he, with Ian Anderson's struggles, you know, people have been kind of clamoring for maybe to give him an option, give him a chance or to potentially go get another starter. And if that's the case, do you package Mueller to go get a starter or do you package him in another deal? Uh, He, but he's forcing the issue. He's making, you know, the, you can only just keep him just hanging around in AAA for so long, and he's been really, really good down there. Uh, Elder, it's just, it's frustrating just because it, it it feels like that the quality of when he misses the zone, in a lot of ways, the quality of those pitches has gone down pretty significantly, and that matters with this, you know, the question of getting whiffs and missing bats because you know if you're throwing uncompetitive balls then you're, you know, you can give up some walks and then all of a sudden you have to kind of, you know, groove some pitches or at least force the issue down the plate to make, to force yourself to throw a strike. And I think that's kind of contribute to some of the home run problems he's had this year, but it's also just kind of, you know, they're, they're not going to swing at it. <laughs> so he's not, he's not going to get those, he's not going to get those strikeouts the way he was last year. And, you know, again, the, this, the, the breaking up stuff is, hasn't had quite the same bite. It's more sweeping sliders now. And, you know, the, the fastball just doesn't have the same sort of life on it. Not really sure exactly what's going on there. Uh, he's certainly trying to find himself. He's still pitching relatively deep into games. It's worth noting. It's just, you know, he'll have these innings where his command will get away from him and he'll like give up a single, a walk, and then he'll, you know, to try to, you know, end in a bat, 
he'll throw something and he'll just get too much of the plate and ends up getting clocked for a three run homer. And it's a very consistent pattern. Uh, it's been better of late, I will say, but overall it's just kind of, those are the kinds of things that happen to him. If he has, you see him have these outings where he gives up four runs, but three of them will like almost always be in the same inning. Uh, it, it does seem to vary in the, in terms of where in the, the start, in terms of the first time through the order, second or third, but it just seems like he'll have these one inning where things kind of get away from him. And when it does, you know, he, he seems to get punished more than any pitching prospect that we have so far. Uh, anyway, in terms of, you know, when he gets in a little bit of trouble, it seems like he always gets burned for it. Um, so we are going to go through the rest of the minor league system here shortly, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Garrett, it is time to talk about Mississippi on down. Uh, really interesting squad at Mississippi at the moment with all these promotions combined with the kind of the holdovers, uh, particularly on the pitching side, uh, including a pitching prospect that I think, that, I mean, if our listeners, if there are listeners, they probably heard heard his name a few times, but I don't think people realize just how good he's been of late in Darius Vines. So, you know, speak the gospel on Darius Vines and how this team's been doing, because, you know, considering all the trades and what this team looked like not that long ago, they've been, they've been playing pretty well. Yeah, this is a team that was kind of bad for a while, but right now, I mean, you add Grissom, and like we said, he's been hitting really well. You know, he started out with, like, every single game, it was like three for four, three for five. He hasn't quite done that lately. You know, not as many pits are falling, but, I mean, the dude never strikes out. You know, it's his walk rate so far, he hasn't walked a ton. We'll kind of see how – that's one of those things you see how it plays out. But overall, he's hit very well. Um, Justin Henry Malloy has not hit as well, but it's not – it seems like a lot of that is some of that is bad at ball related. I mean, he's not striking out a ton, which was something I was concerned about. I was concerned about how he would handle double A caliber off speed stuff. So far, he's done very well with that. He has almost as many walks as strikeouts. So, per, from from a peripherals perspective, which is in these small samples, the most important thing, he's done well. He just hasn't necessarily seen the results yet. Um, Cody Milligan, kind of the same way. The peripherals are good. Now he's obviously much fringier with his power. Fringe is a is a very generous statement with him. He has very little yeah. power. Yeah, he's not 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 a guy known for hitting the ball super hard. But you know, typically he puts the ball in play a lot, draws a lot of walks, and he's still doing that. It's just instead of running, you know, a three twenty babip, he's running like a two twenty babip, which 
is a big difference there. Um, overall, not a guy I worried about. I think, you know, in terms of the utility role, he has some potential there with his just ability to get on base, but he just hasn't worked there. And, you know, it'll, you know, this is the level that these guys that lack power, it kind of, you know, you saw it with Ozzy Albies a few years ago. He was a guy that went to double A and proved that he could still impact the ball despite his, you know, size. And we didn't really know the power he had then, but he obviously we know now. But, you know, but you see a lot of guys get to double A like, well, Jose Parasi was more triple A. But you see these guys get to the upper levels and when they can't impact the ball, suddenly the profile looks really bad. And Mill- Milligan is a guy that if he can't impact the ball and hit harder line drives more consistently, you'll see him start to struggle more often. On the pitching side, it's a ridiculous group of guys. I mean, Dylan Dodd has been fantastic. Like we said, he's, you know, where he struggled early in the year was he would get through three good innings and then completely collapse the second time through an order. He's not doing that anymore. He's striking guys deep into games. It's been phenomenal. Jared Schuster has been outstanding in July, 19 innings, one run, 24 strikeouts. Just fantastic there. Uh, he's a guy that is a few starts away from pushing a promotion. I think once the trade trade deadline passes, if you see, you know, you've got a lot of guys like Davidson, you know, Muller at that AAA level that are kind of, they have to do something with them. And if you see those guys get moved for pieces at the deadline, I think that's when you'll, I think at the deadline, you might see him come up. Um, but he's a guy that's just, you know, he kind of went through a little bit of a, where he wasn't great during the middle of the season, but he was still fine. And other than that, he's been just ridiculous. But the guy that has been the most impressive is Darius Fines. Uh, two straight outings with scoreless. Uh, he's a guy that we've talked about it multiple times this year. He's gone into like the fifth inning, sixth inning with a no hitter. Uh, and he's a guy that. Overall, he's done somewhat well this year, but he would see him pitch five good innings, and then all of a sudden in the sixth, he would walk a guy. And then he'd give up a single, and then he'd give up a three-run home run. And in set, and it would be six innings, three runs, where he pitched great for five, but got just blown up in the sixth inning. That would happen a lot for him. And, his, and over the last month or so, you're seeing less and less of that big mistake in the game. And those you know his strikeout to walk ratios have been fantastic at every single level he's played at because his off-speed stuff is just absurdly good it's just when he gets into trouble which he has at times this year he kind of you know kind of what you're saying with elder he kind of just has to throw that fastball and when he does upper level hitters are good enough to hit that and his fastball is just not quite good enough to get hitters out but when he's doing like he is now and he's locating his pitches and he can get to that off-speed stuff I mean, you see what he can do, you know, consistently getting six, seven innings, zero runs, one run, you know, uh, only a few hits. I mean, this is a guy that once he gets ahead of you, it is very, very hard to do anything with him. You know, and he's a guy that, you know, if you see at these other levels that those late inning struggles continue, you know, he's a guy that maybe you have as a three or four inning guy. But if he does what he's doing now and can avoid those mistakes late in outings, I mean, this is, you know, some of the best. You know, arguably his off-speed stuff is as good as anybody in this system. It, it, I mean, curveball, slider, changeup, all of those pitches show above average to plus. Yeah, there's a couple of really fun changeups on that in that Mississippi rotation with Schuster and Vines in particular. Uh, and that's not a knock on Dot either. <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, th- those th- those two guys though that the off-speed stuff in particular and their ability to throw 
particularly lately with Vines and Schuster really all year, uh, just throwing strikes, but they're still competitive pitches. You know, they're not they're not grooving nearly as much. Again, Vines is one of those guys that certainly does seem to get punished because, again, the, the since he doesn't throw super hard, it's you know if he if he if he's throwing a fastball, you know, trying to get it over for a strike, hitters do have time to react to it a bit. But he's been locating that so well lately, and combining that just how it's been playing off his off speed stuff, he's just he's looked lights out. And in Schuster's case, I, I, we you know we he wasn't our favorite draft pick at the time, and there's certainly been some times where we wondered maybe again in his case too the quality of his fastball was in question, but he's been commanding it so well and just sequencing his pitches so effectively that it's been it's been frankly just been a lot of fun to watch you know and that's a that's that you know coming a a, a guy with a change up like that against all these righty hitters uh pitching from the left side you know sometimes you know when the guy is not thrown particularly hard and you get the platoon matchup you want sometimes you can kind of get feasted upon but in Schuster's case he really kind of plays off that and he thinks you 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 know he everyone knows he has this great change up and they still swing over the top of it all the time so it's been a, it's been a lot of fun watching Mississippi, uh, a team that we thought was going to be struggling a good bit, but they reinforced that roster pretty quickly, and as it turns out, that team can be turned from eh to pretty good really quickly. Uh, let's go to Rome now. Uh, again, a bunch of team a team that has a bunch of promotions on it. Um, some inconsistency, uh, I'll say, uh, from a lot of guys. Um, you know, we did have a we did have a release uh, this week where the 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 Braves did release Christian Robinson from this roster. It's actually the only release that's happened. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about what's going on with Rome, who's been good, who hasn't been. Yeah, this is actually a team that's won a lot of games lately. You wouldn't think after promoting Milligan, Grissom, Malloy. I mean, those were three those ha- those are three of the top five hitters in the entire league in terms of way to run created plus. Like statistically, they had three of the top five hitters. All of them got promoted, and they've still won like eleven of their last fifteen or something like that. Like they've been doing great. A lot of that is you know, guys weird. right. Guys in the rotation stepping up, but you know, a guy that we, you know, we started questioning Cal Conley a lot at low because he just never hit and, you know, and it kind of seemed like he didn't know what his approach was. And since he's gone up to high a, you know, and towards the end there at double at low a too, he started striking out less hitting the ball with authority. You know, it kind of seemed like he was a guy who would either hit the ball with authority or not strike out a lot. And he couldn't really find the balance between the two. It seems like he's found that and he's been phenomenal since being called up. And he's a guy that we liked when he was drafted. The Braves liked when he was drafted and it was a surprise to see him struggle as much as he did. And now seeing him hit at high, a, you kind of get you know, a resurgence of, Hey, maybe this really is a guy, um, a player that is the arguably the best player on the team since, you know, the last couple of weeks is a guy that we, Definitely don't think he's a guy, but that's Bo Phillip. Uh, you know, not a good hitter, but he can go through some stretches where suddenly he'll have like a few three or three for four games, hit a couple home runs, and he's doing that right now. He's in one of those stretches. You know, overall, a guy that we just, you know, he just can't hit, and that's what it is. But he's played really well yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah, he, he's definitely a guy. He he's kind of like kind of entering that Connor Lean territory from back in the day, where like he just won't do anything for a while and then for a yeah. week he'll look like he can't get him out yeah you know and a guy that can kind of play all over the infield so you know a good piece to have in the organization but you know not a guy that you know you should be circling on your recaps every night pitching staff though it's where this team has kind of been the bullpen has been very good this pitching staff has been somewhat inconsistent but lately it's been fairly solid 
you know, JJ Necro just got called up. He's been very good. Dylan Dodd was very good for them before he got called up. Rodri Munoz is the guy that has been a lot better lately. And now with Munoz, again, kind of like we talk about with um, with uh, Bryce Elder, he tends to have complete blow-up innings where he'll give up like three or four runs, and he's really, really good elsewhere. And, you know, he's a guy that he relies a lot on his fastball, and he relies on locating that fastball up. And if the ball starts to drift down in the zone, it's hittable. Even with the velocity and the spin he has, if it gets down in the zone, it's a hittable pitch. And so he, you know, if the command goes and that fastball starts to come down or he starts walking guys, or a lot of times both happen at the same time, he can run into some ugly innings. But lately he's been doing that less often. And he still hasn't really put up very many of those wow starts but he's had more consistent high strikeout totals, you know, reasonable walk totals. And that's been good. Uh, Roy, Roy Bersalinas is kind of the same way. I, I think his, I'm a little fringier on terms of his, you know, just his profile in terms of, you know, the effort in his delivery, but he went through a stretch there with, he was bad for a while. Uh, and lately the last few starts, he hasn't been great, but he's not walking as many guys. He's back to striking out guys at a high rate. and no, that was just kind of a reset for him. He was a guy, you know, he burst onto the scene at the beginning of the year, and then he kind of struggled at the middle, and we kind of forgot about him. Well, not really forgot about him, but kind of were just like, I don't really want to talk about this guy right now with what he's doing. But lately, you know, instead of seeing four walks in a game, you're seeing two walks in a game, and he can live there. If he's at that level, he can live there because he can strike out enough batters to get to a lineup. You know, he hasn't really, again, put together a great start in a while, but he's getting more and more solid starts out of the way. Yeah, this is a weird Rome team right now. Uh, they seem to win a lot of 4-3 and 3-2 games. Uh, the offense doesn't really like give them a whole lot. And when they get it, they get it in bunches. Uh, you know, it always seems like, you know, there'll be like, you know, the, the random Javier Valdez home run or, uh, you know, a two-run double from Tyler Tolvey or, you know, Kyle Conley, you know, make something happen in a big inning when they're, you know, they get a guy whose the command isn't there or, you know, again, like you mentioned, Bo Phillip is just a guy who, you know, he'll, he seems to only get like two hits a week, but it does seem like lately that those two hits have been uh, coming in key points and have actually been for far more power than we were planning on. Uh, I do miss the days when Roy Bersalinas was, you know, just like striking out everybody, leading all of affiliated baseball and strikeouts and things like that. I'm sure he's still up there. Uh, if I were to look at it, I haven't had a chance to, but you know, he's it, definitely the 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 shine has come off that a bit as it you know as it should have. Uh, we were a little bit skeptical. Uh, I still think that he ends up as a reliever, but well, you know, for for right now, you know, he the, keep trying him out, and if he can continue, you know, keep improving back to where he was command wise, and kind of getting that same feedback from hitters in terms of getting the swings on the pitches that he wants the swings on, then you know, more I, I am all for the continued experiment, particularly in, in when we're talking about a ball here. All right, Garrett. Let's finish this thing out. We have Augusta, which has uh, been a bit rough, uh, I will say. A bit, bit rough to watch the squad. It would be certainly a lot more fun to watch once we get some draftees on the squad. Uh, they've had, they had a lot of their best players just promoted, though. It's hard to be too upset with them. Uh, one player did have an interview that I made, had with him. The best prospect on the, the team, uh, of my, in my opinion, is A.J. Smith-Shaver. And we did have a – I did do an interview with him. It went up on the site last week. And if you want to make sure you kind of know what's going on with him this season, make sure you go take a look at that. That was a lot of fun talking to him. So uh, run us through Augusta and then take us through the FCL guys before we sound this thing out. Well, 
back to back to uh, Salinas real quick. He is second in minor league baseball in strikeouts. He's three behind the lead, which is kind of a surprise because of how you know much he struggled lately. So hey, he's he's still got a shot at that, and he's got way less innings than the guy in first place, like twenty fewer innings. So it's who's who's Um, in first? Brandon P F A A D T Fott, maybe some dude in the Diamondback system. I don't know. Okay, interesting. All right, carry on. Anyways, yeah. Um, anyways, as for Augusta, that lineup is kind of sketch. Um, Brandon Mosquita has not played since July 12th, I believe was his last game. And that was July 12th, the game that he got hit or no, I don't think July 12th was the game. He There was a game where he got hit in the head by a pitch, but I believe he came back to play the next day. So I don't actually know what's going on with him. Um, yeah, we just haven't seen him. And sometimes, you know, with things like that, it may not necessarily be an immediate, like, the next day he feels bad. Those signs of things can linger. You know, I, we don't want to speculate too much, but that could be an issue. You know, those head injuries can kind of come and go. So, because it was a pretty, I mean, it was a fastball up and in, and he got hit hard. And so I'm, I'm curious about what that is um, with him. But, so that's kind of a big bat out of the lineup for them. You know, Gerardo Quintero has continued to hit consistently Adam Zabrowski has continued to hit consistently those are guys that are hitting very well you know Zabrowski is a guy that I'm would expect to get caught up soon I would I I wonder if he's a guy that wants those draftees come up to low a he'll kind of get pushed up um because he's a guy that's hit just approach wise he's just above low a hitters Quintero is young, so I wouldn't be surprised if he spends the whole year there. But he's been very good. Cade Morton has been a lot better lately. A guy that kind of, he gets cold for a while, then he gets hot for a while. But he struck out a lot less lately, and that's the big thing for him. If he keeps the strikeouts down, we love the athleticism. We'll see what he can do and hope he can drive the ball consistently. The pitching staff is... uh, you know, Nico's gone, Salinas is gone, and it's kind of just A.J. smith Shaver, And he's by far the best prospect on this team, in my opinion. I mean, I, I will go ahead and tell you I have him very, very high on my midseason list. Uh, probably surprisingly high, but, I mean, he's a guy that he really impressed necessarily in the year. Lately, though, his command has not been as good as it was. You're seeing more of those four walk games, five walk games type things that, you know, you can't really get away with at any level. Now he still strikes out guy. Nobody at low A can hit him. If he throws strikes, he's fine. Uh, and even when he's walking a lot of guys, his stuff is so good that they actually really can't score runs because he just strikes everybody out. Um, but he's definitely a guy that the command isn't as good as it was, as Chris was early in the season. And this is the part of the year, especially with those guys that are playing their first professional season, that you start to see guys wear down and get fatigued. And that's probably a factor for him right now because it's, you know, late July. This is probably the most innings he's ever pitched in his life uh, at this point. And so it, it, it's not enti- – I'm not necessarily concerned. It's not great to see him struggling with the command, but I'm not – going to say well that's you know his command has suddenly regressed there's a lot of factors that can play into that we'll just kind of have to see how that goes forward but right now he's looking like a guy that's suffering a little bit from that fatigue factor yeah and it again you know when you're talking about a prep arm too you know getting used to pitching that every fifth day and you know what preparation goes into it you know 
dealing with the the humidity in Georgia too. There's just a, there's a lot of things that kind of can get guys early on in their careers. But I'm not worried about AJ. Just the quality of the stuff's too good, uh, particularly the fastball at the top of the zone. I think that's just going to play every level that he pitches at. Uh, the stuff is great. You know, even if the numbers don't look particularly great, uh, especially at a com- at the command level, I think that he's just going to get better and better with that. Uh, he works incredibly hard. And I'm not, again, not, not a concern per se, but it's just, you know, he, he has to kind of work through some of these issues in terms of the walks and things like that. But he just, the guy just misses bats. And if he's, you know, can just hone things in just a little bit, he's going to, he's going to put together some like starts that are going to make us get really excited. Uh, so we, we will finish things out, things out with kind of a quick rundown, Garrett, of what's going on in the Dominican Summer League and the Florida Coast League, uh, which is going to be a much more interesting uh, update. Uh, in here a couple weeks once we start seeing some draftees uh, actually making their way through here uh, and we actually find out some information about what's going on with all these guys so talk run us through what's going on rookie ball yeah there's not a lot going on in florida right now uh tyler collins we still haven't seen in a while ambio severus we still have not seen at all so really the top two guys for me are adam shoemaker who has not been good at all on the mound lately you're seeing a lot of walks, not a ton of strikeouts. He's, again, our guy that we knew was raw, and so he's going to go through his struggles. It's kind of not nice to see him struggling this badly, but he is a guy that he's a project, and he's going to be a project for a while. So I don't read too much into the performance right now. Jair Casanova on the offensive end is really hitting very well down there. He's hit 368 in July so far. Uh, drawing a lot of walks, not striking out a ton. So that's a, it's it's an interesting bat. There's some raw power there. He's a young guy, uh, and and he's one of the guys that you kind of watch as maybe not your top tier prospects like a Tavares, but a guy that could start moving up systems going into next, moving up in the system going into next year, and will make his way on the prospect list, and we'll get a little bit more attention, especially once he gets into full season ball and more people can have eyes on him. We'll really get a feel for him. Oh, and then, of course, DSL. I guess we're doing both at the same time, aren't we? Um, we are indeed. <laughs> blank there for a second. Diego Benitez um, is definitely, you know, in the rookie ball level, he's the best prospect that's playing right now. His numbers are not that good, but his strikeout to walk ratio is good. And he's a guy, again, he has like a 226 BABIP, which a guy with his speed in the Dominican Summer League should be running like a 370 BABIP. Like that would be a, given the defensive quality there, that would be actually fairly normal. He's, this is abnormally low. So I I think a lot of that is bad at ball luck. I, I don't think that you're, you know, overall the numbers outside of that are fine. You know, he's not hitting for a ton of power, but one, most guys don't hit for a ton of power at the DSL. And two, very, very young guy and a guy that we knew has to develop physically somewhat. So I'm not concerned about that. But, yeah, you know, he's hitting the ball. It's just maybe not falling for him. Douglas Glode, we are finally seeing play. You know, he was a guy that was not playing for a while. He has a 739 OPS. He's been fine. Not great, but fine. You know, another guy that we're excited about. But, you know, he'll probably spend the whole year in the DSL. Well, he will at this point spend the whole year at the DSL. We're fine with that. And we'll just see what he does going forward into next year. And then an interesting name, uh, you know, statistically, we don't know anything about these guys really, but Didier Fuentes, 
Uh, 17-year-old pitcher, 22 and two-thirds innings, 26 strikeouts, six walks. It's, those are impressive numbers at any level, and it's good, you know, for a 17-year-old, that's a guy that you kind of circle and say, hey, this guy's looking good. Let's see, you know, if we can get some information on him, see what he does once he comes over stateside, and, you know, and definitely a name to keep an eye on. Yeah, at, at this level, we're not going to be able to find out a whole lot of information, uh, particularly until – after the season's over and we start getting information from like instructs and kind of, you know, as information starts filtering out about these guys. So it's like, it's, it is unclear. There's a lot of scouting the stat line that happens here and we have to make some assumptions, you know, in Benitez's case with his speed, you have to think that maybe he's getting under a lot of balls. There's a lot of fly balls that just aren't, you know, going on the fence for him. And he's not like driving the ball with authority to gaps and things like that. But again, we don't know that for sure. Uh, one note though about Ambioris Tavares, and that's something that we're going to have to reflect on our list, our rankings is that he's been on the temporarily inactive list since the beginning of June. And at some point we got the beginning to wonder what's going on with him, what the issue is. We just don't, and I have no information whatsoever. I've asked a couple of people and there's just not information that's coming out about what's going on with him in terms of when he's going to play, if he's going to play things like that. There's just a lot of uncertainty there. And we have to kind of evaluate, you know, how we, how we're going to handle that because he's, again, he was their top, IFA signing from, you know, not this past year, but the year before. And he is a, a very important bat in the system in terms of, you know, evaluating the quality of, you know, just the quality of the offensive players in the system. So we have to see kind of, you know, what's going on. It's certainly a big setback for his development that he hasn't been able to play. So we have to kind of evaluate what's going on with that. And I will, we'll keep digging for information, but you know, right now it's just, there's just an actual nothing going on. Well, Garrett, that's all the time we have for this week. I greatly appreciate each and every one of you taking the time to listen to this episode. If you want to make sure you don't miss a single episode of the Road to Inland podcast, make sure you subscribe to the Battery Power podcast feed on whatever your preferred pod, pod, podcast platform is. Uh, not only will we get this episode, this podcast, you'll get the flagship show hosted by the great Brad Roland, occasionally by myself, occasionally by Scott Coleman, occasionally by other guests. You'll also get the Daily Hammer, hosted by Sean Coleman, who's doing a great job giving you your daily updates on your Braves news from the night before. And finally, the still unnamed show. I assume that at some point there's going to be a name for this show, hosted by Stephen Tolbert and Chris Willis, our fearless leader, where they kind of do the d deeper dive into the big topics of, you know, what's going on, big narrative type things or, you know, big analytical type discussions, things like that. That show's been a great addition to the feed. For Garrett, thank you all so much. Until next time, we'll see you on the road.